this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. We are coming to you live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. I hope you're off to a fantastic week so far as you're rolling and bowling into this new week in 2020. Well, we talked about it in the past and we knew it was going to happen at some point, so we're there now. At the beginning of the Jay Allen Show, we said we would be doing some things outside of the safety world. And that's one of those conversations that we have going on today. Well, today I have the privilege of speaking to Candace Horbachs. She is the host for Chatting with Candace and has an BA in psychology. She is interested in self-improvement, psychology, relationships, and spirituality and discusses those things in length on her show. We reached out to Candace to see if we could have her come on and have that conversation here with some of our safety professionals that we have out there in the audience for they could have a listen to what Candace has to say. In regards of this difficult conversation that most don't have. Enjoy my conversation with Candace here today on the Jay Allen Show. So I guess really let me start off with the main question that I like to ask most people. What kind of led you down this path of wanting to have conversations with people about, I guess, coaching and personal relationships? How did this all come about for you? So I think a lot of it just came from having um, like a unique path, if you will. Like, I guess I have a very exaggerated um, form of experience when it comes to relationships. So I do have my BA in psychology and then I was in the adult industry for like 10 years. Um, I navigated that through, uh, through that with my, you know, fiance and now husband. Um, we were in a really like, we were in a traditional relationship kind of at the beginning and it evolved into something else. So every kind of like hurdle that we had to go over was just like an exaggerated version of what like a regular civilian would go through. So like, you know, cheating became like, well, what is monogamy and what is important to us? So just like very similar issues, just like on a bigger stage. So I figured if we could handle like, you know, all of these issues, um, exaggerated, then I should have some like advice and just some experience sharing that I could, you know, provide other people. Um, and then, you know, through those struggles, we had to kind of like focus on ourselves and how to like improve and, you know, make sure that we're always growing together, making sure that the relationship is healthy. And then through that self-improvement, um, I just felt like I was in a place where I really wanted to learn. And I think the best way to learn is to have conversations. So it just was like a very good, um, outlet for me for like give and take. So I I have to tell you, I really admire the way that you worded that. So how civilians, so you're really looking at this like hardcore as you're looking at this. I mean, you say civilian, so 
do you feel like there was almost like a military style relationship that you're going into? No. So I know like that like term throws a lot of people off, but just anyone in the adult industry, like you refer to anyone that's not as a civilian. I don't know where it came from, but it's just kind of like the, the terminology. Um, and I think it's just, it's not like obviously out of disrespect for anyone in the military because it's not comparable at all, but it's just more of like drawing a line in the sand that's like it's a very stark difference and a lot of people unless you have a curious mindset like you're not going to understand the other side at all okay so let me kind of ask a couple strange questions because being as you brought it up i want to backtrack for sure you say that you started off with a traditional style relationship and i know that we'll say that you have a very at that particular time, a very different style job or career path that you're going down. So how do you start having the discussions in regards to where, how does jealousy come about? Like, how does it come into question of, okay, if I'm in a traditional relationship, I would see you with someone else, I would be jealous. So how do I move forward and say, okay, now this is part of your career path. So I am going to attempt not to be jealous now with what you're doing. So it was like, I mean, we talked about it probably for years before I kind of like made the transition into doing like, you know, a hardcore film. Like before that it was very soft and it wasn't anything that like was going to be like too um, difficult for either of us to like navigate, but it was like an ongoing discussion. Um, so for me, I didn't want to be in a situation where it was very like one-sided. So it was like, okay, well, I get to go and do these scenes and you have to sit at home by yourself on the East Coast while I'm out in LA shooting. And I expect you to like, you know, just be like this good boy and not look and talk to other girls. And because we're just, we're making the distinction between sex for work and sex for pleasure. And I just think that that's, that wasn't a fair way to look at it. If we wanted to tackle jealousy, I wanted to tackle it like in, in its entirety. Um, and I kind of wanted to have that discussion with him as to like, well, where is this coming from? And almost all jealousy comes from insecurity or a fear of loss. And it depends on like your belief system, but if you feel like you own a person or that that person belongs to you, like, I don't feel like that's a healthy form of a relationship. I think every day it's making a decision to be with somebody. Um, and that that's what, a, what love is. Love is freedom. And I think when you try to like pin something down too hard is kind of when you lose it's like purity in a sense. Um, so we just had to understand like we're humans and we're going to have these feelings like that's part of the human experience and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but how you express it is totally up to you. So if you want to express that jealousy in a healthy way, or if you want to act out like a lot of people do, um, almost like reflexively and shout and threaten to end the relationship, um, it's like, well, where do you want to be? And like, how serious is this relationship? So to us, it's like sex is obviously like we still think it's important, but we do think that there's a difference between like loving somebody and having that sexual connection with them. And then just having the casual affair, if you will. Um, you, and you know, so many people in the audience right now are going, holy hell, what is going on here? But I, I know. I, it's I a it. lot. It's a lot. But I guess if you dumb it down, it's basically if you, if you really are committed to somebody and you really love somebody to me, like that is letting that person have the freedom to make their own choices. And it's also having the freedom to make mistakes. 
So people think, um, you know, because we maybe because of my history, my past career, like we're just out there swinging and doing all of these crazy things. And that's just not the case. Um, it's more of looking at things like, you know, if there is an incident, like if there's a, if I have a, you know, negative reaction to, if I get jealous, if I'm not okay with something, then we can discuss it. We cannot do it again and we can move forward. It's the permission to make mistakes. So I think a lot of people, it's like, you know, he cheated, we're divorcing or he cheated, we're breaking up. And to me, I think that that's not necessarily the healthiest approach. Now, when you say that, do you look at it and go, it is more common nowadays for people to, we'll say, and I'll air quote, cheat on people and say it's over because of that, opposed to having the open mind of, hey, I'm in love with this other person and we we had a one-off or I decided to do something that I made the decision to move forward with? I think it's kind at least from my experience and like the people that um, have like, you know, experience shared with me, like I... I find a lot of, especially women, if their partner cheats, like they're just done or that they can't actually truly forgive the person and move forward and like heal those wounds. It's like, okay, you broke this trust and that's it. So I think if you expand on the jealousy, right, if you look inward instead of outward, so like don't look on like your partner's transgressions, look at like why you're having this reaction and then like ask yourself what you actually want. Like, is this person in every other sense, like a good partner, are they like taking off all of those boxes? And if the answer is yes, then maybe it's something worth saving. So let's kind of do the reverse portion then. So let me kind of ask kind of the strange question. So as you're having these discussions throughout the years before you decide to go in to what we, what you dreamed hardcore stuff, how did that actually work? How did it work for your fiance at the time, your husband now, did he ever come back to you and say, I'm interested in doing something outside as you're doing this or is that not? No, not I love that. Yeah. That was like, that was my decision just because, um, I was in the industry for a few years before I made that decision. And I just, I'm like a spectator. Like I just am always constantly like seeing what everyone else is doing around me just cause I'm kind of a shy person. So like, rather than like, um, like I guess partake in the conversations, I just like observe. So it, it's actually more common, I think, than not for people in the industry to, to to make their partner who is a quote, you know, civilian, um, still be monogamous. And I just saw how toxic that could become because it's like, there's one rule for one person and another rule for someone else. And that's never going to work out. Like you both have to be on the same page with like your philosophies with anything. So for me, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this for work, I can't hold a different standard to you. Um, and we're both going to work on our jealousy and we're both going to outline what rules we want for this relationship and try our best to abide by those rules. So the first time then he decides to go do something, how do you feel as the other, as the other person at the time? How is it, how does this work? I know that you're preparing yourself mentally for this, but how does it go for you first interaction? Oh my gosh. I was so jealous, so jealous, so worked up when I found out. And I was actually, and the funny thing is, is I was in LA and I was there for probably two weeks filming. So it's not like I was, you know, not, not, you know, causing him stress. Um, and then he, you know, has this one, um, moment with somebody else. And then he's honest. Cause I asked him and it was like still new and it was hit the first time and I was wildly jealous. And then I had to kind of like take a step back and then again, be like, well, like this isn't fair. Like I expect him to let me, you know, do my career and follow like 
my path there. And then I expect different from him. So it's kind of like I had to go back and say, okay, well, what were the rules that we agreed on? And like, what is important to me? And it's just kind of like a muscle that I feel like you have to kind of like work. So it's not to say everyone should be in an open relationship or anyone should be, you know, questioning monogamy. I think everyone has um, like a blueprint that's going to work for them, but it's just assessing that jealousy in general. Right. So like for some people, it's like, you can't even like have a conversation with someone of the opposite sex. You have to like tackle that. Or for some people it's dancing and some people it's like going to a Hooters, whatever it is. Like everyone has that thing that kind of makes that little jealousy monster pop out. So it's like, it's going inward to kind of see where that's like stemming from. So as you take a look at this, of course, some people are going to go, well, that's the extreme side of it. So if we back up and let's say, we'll say average, because that's definitely what it has to be. Average relationship. What do you think is that some of these triggers that happen to certain people? So let me kind of use what my target audience is. The majority of the audience here are safety professionals, and they're kind of like the outcast inside of most of their organizations because they're kind of like the standalone there. And when they go back home, they have a hard time because, hey, they've had this work environment where not everybody loves them, but all of a sudden they go home and they're expecting some kind of level, we'll say of love, um, interaction, maybe sex in the evening. But sometimes those are not the things that get them super excited. And those are the things that they go, well, how am I supposed to be able to proceed forward when I'm having this stressful job here day in and day out? And now I go home and let's say, for instance, they can't be the person that they want to be. They can't be the lover that they were once before, or they can't be in the relationship the way they're looking at it because of all this pressure throughout the day. How do you take a look at that and go, okay, these are maybe some techniques you can use? I think you need to first tackle your mindset when it comes to your work. So everyone can have different stressors in their job. Um, obviously, it can be it can show up at like different levels, but everyone faces stress. And I think you have to kind of find your purpose, if you will, with your job. So I think too many people, especially with social media, were pressured to be like the CEO or an entrepreneur or the big dog um, in the office. And if we're not, then all of a sudden, like there's like this discrepancy. So I think it's like first trying to find some kind of gratitude for your work and like look at how maybe like the ripple effect and like what you're providing for other people. I think that that like is um, like a really good form of like gratitude and how to just have a like sense of appreciation for the work that you're doing. So just first try to shift that, try to get like a more positive relationship with work. Also, um, when you're leaving work and you're transitioning to going back to like husband, boyfriend, partner, whatever it is, is having some kind of like totem, if you would. So like for me, I work from home. So it's really important to have something that kind of like tells my brain, okay, time to switch gears. Like we're no longer working. Um, we're going into like mommy mode or we're going into wife mode or we're just going into relaxation mode. So it's like a bracelet that I put on. So it could be like a t-shirt that you put on and like, you know, a jewelry, a ring, um, just anything that's like a physical like signal of like, we are switching gears. So the more you do that, it's like going to have a very powerful effect. I know for some people it might sound like a little woo woo. Um, I don't have the science in front of me, but it is proven to help. 
So having a totem is like another tip. Um, And then I would say meditating is also wildly important, especially if you have a high stress job. So taking even just like 60 seconds when you first come in in the door, like don't engage, don't feel like all of a sudden, like you have to be this other person, take 60 seconds for yourself, close your eyes, do some deep breathing, and then just like get in a place where you can now like relax and enjoy like the second half of your day. So as you look at this now, especially with a lot of the changes that have been taking across inside of the world where people might not have the opportunity of going to a physical location and working and they have to work at home, what techniques would you tell them to apply there? So for me, again, it would be um, if you can, if you are you know fortunate enough to have the space, like have a designated workspace, like try not to work out of your bed. Um, that's always been something that a lot of professionals have advised is like you want that to kind of be like your serenity space. So you don't want to take work into the bedroom. So try to like work, you know, in the kitchen, in the living room, if you have an at home office or a spare bedroom that you can kind of convert. Um, so kind of like separating out the spaces and again, having like that totem. So like having that reminder of like a hard stop. So just because you're at home, you need to make sure that you're still having like the, the very strict boundaries of like, these are the hours that I'm going to work. And then also recovery is very important. So I have a hard stop at five o'clock or I have a hard stop at six o'clock, whatever it is. So I think that a lot of people, especially if they're not used to working from home, it's very easy to work into the late hours of the night because you're like, oh, well, I'm still here and I'm not done yet. So recovery is crucial when it comes to productivity. Um, You're actually going to get a lot more work done if you do take the time to relax and have that time with your loved ones. So let's talk about work-life balance, because I believe that that becomes another issue for high-stress jobs. So as you look at it, and you said hard stop, so you have the hard stop, five o'clock, six o'clock, so on. What about those people that are, let's say, for instance, that are quote-unquote on on call 24-7, and all of a sudden, you know, at any, at any given moment, you and I could be having a conversation saying we're in a relationship. All of a sudden, I have a phone call. I know that I have to be paying attention to my phone. How can they make a separation there? based on what you've seen? So it depends on what your line of work is, because I find that there's probably very few people that actually are like truly on 24 hour call. Um, and usually those are like, you know, first responders, doctors, things like that. Um, for anyone that, you know, doesn't fall into that category, someone who maybe just feels like they have to be 24 seven for their boss. Again, it goes into, you know, having healthy boundaries. Um, and if you don't have those healthy boundaries, like you have to set them for yourself. So, you know, having an auto response on your email, like I'm out of the office for the rest of the day, that way you don't have to do it and that you don't have to feel that guilt, turn off your devices, um, maybe take, you know, a couple minutes to yourself to reset and then get ready for like, you know, the second half of the day, which is not going to be work related. Um, For that percent of people that truly are on call, I think it goes back to being being present. So that's another muscle that you have to work. And meditation is like the easiest way to get there. So if you can be present and truly enjoy like the moment that you're not on call, then you're not going to be constantly stuck in the future having that anxiety, thinking about the call that's going to come and then inevitably having to be torn away from your moment with your loved ones or, um, you know, those relaxing moments by yourself and then having to go into a stressful job. So being present, I would say, is probably like the most important factor for those people. Now, now you've referenced a couple of times meditation. Is there a particular style of meditation that you use or that you would recommend? 
So I, I feel like I'm like most people, I would tell myself that I suck at it. And that's like a reason I don't do it. So for me, guided meditation helps a lot. Um, I use, uh, it's called waking up by Sam Harris. And I just, I've used a lot of apps. And for me, like that's the most useful one, especially for someone who's just getting into meditating. Um, box breathing is also a really good form of meditation. And, and it's kind of like a specific breath control that you do. And then that's easy to kind of like hone in on because there's something to pay attention to. So your mind tends to wander less. Um, and there are a lot of like physical benefits to box breathing as well. So those are, those two are the the ones I would recommend to someone just starting. So let me ask a couple of strange questions, if you don't mind. I want to go back to what some of the stuff that you were saying. So as I look at this and I kind of look at the big picture and what you're what you're saying for regards of relationships. So you've dealt with this very this very important portion of, of your life that was a biggie, a very big industry that, you know, people would probably go and look at and go, oh, my Lord, I can't believe it. How has a transition been for you transitioning out of the industry into your personal life and then doing some of this coaching work? It's really difficult. Um, I would say it was easier to like craft this fictitious person than it is to craft like the real me. Um, I think a lot of people are still very uncomfortable with that, you know, that industry. And there's a lot of reasons why for sure. Um, so to kind of create that separation and like remind people that that was a fictitious character, right? Like it's still entertainment. Um, and that's like not the real me. That's just, you know, that was just my job. Like I'm not that thing. It's just something that I did. So you kind of have to. I said, you've taken this approach where you embrace it. I mean, it's not like it's, you put it out there. It's not like, Hey, it's not something that you're, you're not letting people know it's, Hey, this is who I was. This is what I did, but this is who I really am now. So such a different approach. Totally. Yeah. And I think everyone has a different experience. Um, for me, like I just, I'm not ashamed of my decisions. I think that it was like a great platform for me to kind of get where I'm supposed to be. I don't think that that's like my ending point. Um, and I find that like, you're going to have people with opinions and belief systems, and it's not my job to change those or challenge those. It's just, this is right. It's like a force of nature. It just is like, that's a fact. It's something that I did. It's, I don't think that it defines me. I'm not going to let it define me. And I think that I've, you know, taken out a lot of like useful information from my experiences. And if I can help anyone, then it was all worth it. So let's talk about that for a moment, because it was something that you did. So and you referenced the word that that was a character. Mm -hmm. So how does it go from transitioning to being a character to the real person that you are? Because a lot of people will say we suffer of imposter syndrome. And I'm not saying by, you know, that you're an imposter or anything to that extent. But what I'm saying is they go from, OK, this is what I do and the spotlight to put on me. And this is the focus is me, 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 me. And now you're going into it. You said that earlier that you're you're a new mom. You mm -hmm. reference a trajectory now. How is that transition for you where, you know, you don't have the fans gathering. You don't have the people saying recognizing you potentially on the street because now you're taking a different approach of life and you reference L.A. and then the East Coast. So I'm assuming that you did that for separation purposes to be able to separate the two things. Totally. So I think a lot of people um, suffer from imposter syndrome. I know I definitely did in a lot of areas in my life, like throughout my life. And it's just something that I constantly have to kind of be um, just like, you know, checking in on to make sure that like I'm 
where I want to be mentally and not having like this negative self-talk that I think a lot of us uh, tend to fall into. So for me, um, I grew up on the East Coast, so I would travel out West just to work and then I would come back home. So I never really got sucked into like the lifestyle and like the glitz and the glam that I think a lot of people tend to when you live out there. Um, for me, I'm like really fortunate that my husband is just like a very grounded person. And anytime he would see me kind of like maybe starting to drift off into the wrong direction, because it's hard, right? You get invited to like these A-list parties and you're around, you know, like real celebrities and it's easy to see these cars and houses and money and think that those are the things that matter. And then you have, it's important to have those people kind of in your corner that are living the life and have the principles that you want that can kind of like hold you accountable if you start to slip. So anytime that, you know, I'd go out there for like a month at a time and maybe come back with like an attitude that was less than what I would want. He'd be like, okay, like you need to take some time detox. And he'd be like, oh, this, like, this is Eva coming out, which is like, you know, my fictitious name. So I would laugh and be like, you know, he's right because I, try to like focus on self-awareness. So I never get offended if someone's pointing out something that maybe I could improve on. Um, I take that as like an opportunity to grow. So like he would just call me out like for what it was. And then I would have to kind of like literally detox, like just, you know, turn my phone off, go back into nature and then just like refine like who I am. Because when you have this fictitious character, it's very easy to get caught up in it. Um, I think you see that in, you know, mainstream acting as well. If someone like dives too deep into a character, they can kind of get lost into it. So it's remembering that that, you know, that person belongs on a shelf and they serve a purpose and they're on screen. But as soon as you're off screen, you have to go back to the real self. Like that's the only healthy way to do it, in my opinion. So let's talk about the digital world, because the digital world was, I would imagine there's still probably some of you, that persona that you were still available. But you've also developed some different some different things inside of, of the digital world as well. You have a Twitch channel. You have a podcast now. You, I believe you also have an Instagram and a Twitter that I that I could find now. Do you ever have kind of like a cross breeding of fans where they one's looking for one and they find the other or vice versa? Oh, totally. Um, I, it's actually funny because I've had a lot of people that followed my, you know, my Eva account for a while. Um, and then when I started plugging like my, you know, non-explicit work, like my Twitch channel or my YouTube channel or whatever, all of, all of my Candace stuff, they kind of like navigated over there and they're like, Oh, I enjoy this content so much more. I didn't know you were a real person. And it goes back to people like forgetting like that, that that's a character. Right. And then they're like, Oh, there's this whole other side of you. I have to tell you, you have this one video on Twitch that I was watching, which I thought was hilarious. And you left it all on there, which most people would have been like, Oh no, there's no way that I can leave it. You're doing a, a video chat and you're like, I'm going to do a live podcast, blah, blah, blah. And you're into it. You move the microphone stand and the thing falls down. And you just run, and you just run with it. You're like, I'm not holding back. This is me. This is what's going on. And you, and you go with it. And I'm like, most people believe like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. And would cut it. And you're like, no, I'm just going to show you. So as these people go, hey, you're a real person now. Do they? Do you ever have kind of where you get like the the mix scenario? And I know that, and I know that the the Twitch audience is pretty interesting on how it works because they want to get so involved in what's going on. When you look at it, do they ever try to bring up some of the things that you did as the 
persona opposed to just talking about what you have going on at the moment? Oh, totally. It's like herding cats sometimes. And I can't get mad at it because it is such like an interesting topic. Like how often do you, you know, meet somebody that was in that industry? Like, you know, I would imagine people have a lot of questions. Like it's like a fascinating topic. Um, So it's really hard to get the attention sometimes off of that and like redirect it to like the task at hand. Um, So it's kind of just like retraining the follower essentially. So like they're so used to seeing content pushed out in one type of way, then I just have to show them like there's other options as well. So as you look at both things that you've done and now that you, you know, you're, you're building this, this other platform as you're doing this, what have you enjoyed the most so far? Is there one that you like better than the other or how do you look at it? And I know that's probably a terrible question to ask, but it's almost like asking what, who's your favorite kid. But I know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Um, I think that they all served a purpose and they all serve a purpose. Um, I would say the thing right now, though, that gets me the most excited is the podcasting just because I do get to like for at least virtually meet a bunch of different people from different walks of life and have these conversations. Um, And the conversations are all over the place. Like I have ones that are on relationships, on sex, on imposter syndrome, like you name it. So like to me, that's really interesting, especially right now, because we're so limited in like how we can socialize. Um, So I feel like it's just something that I'm... I feel like talking is like a fine art, right? And people that have been doing it for years, like they can just like w- like lace words together in such a way that it's it's so beautiful. And for me, I don't think I'm very good at that. So I like that challenge and I'm like trying to kind of craft my like public speaking and my podcasting skills and just like the art of conversation and especially right now it's just like getting lost. So to me that's really exciting. No, and that's the other thing too. I mean there's some people that have put out podcasts that I go, I'm not even sure if anybody that I would know personally would want to listen to it, but there's some podcasts that are very detailed and go into some things that some people don't talk about, which I think is really interesting as well um, as they do move forward. So as you looked at it and you were looking at the whole vibe of the podcasting world, why did you decide to go down that angle? Why did I decide to just do podcasting or like the yeah. genre? Why did you decide go down podcasting because you know you see that there's a ton of them I mean it's very competitive what was the decision behind it holy cow yeah it's competitive I was like doing some of the research when I was first starting and it's something like over 350 podcasts are uploaded to um, Apple Podcasts a day like brand new podcasts like that's insane oh those numbers then you have old stats 4,000 new podcasts a week and that was pre-pandemic oh man that's true um I don't know. I just feel like I have my psychology degree and I am such a learner. I love talking to people. I love to constantly be like expanding like my, my view on the world, if you will. Um, so I guess even out of like a selfish way by the podcast, like I can have these interesting conversations with people and then call it work. Right. So um, for me, it's like kind of work and play. And it's something that I just kind of like felt like I had to do. I don't know how else to describe it. Like if you've ever just kind of like felt like a little bit of a pull in a direction, you're like, maybe I should explore this a little bit. That's kind of what happened with podcasting. Now, I know that you've done it on Twitch. Have you ever thought of maybe doing something along the lines where you do with the question and answer session where it goes directly into the podcast, where you do it as a release form as some of the stuff that you've done on Twitch? Um, so I'm thinking about doing like an, like an AMA segment, um, possibly, but 
it's like up in the air just because it tends to like focus solely on the adult content. And like, to me, that's not very exciting. Like I don't mind talking about it. Um, and I think there are some like valuable like insights that I do have that can, you know, benefit even people that are never going to, you know, even touch the adult industry. But to me, like there's so much more to talk about. So until I kind of like get like a, and I don't, I don't want to say a new fan base, or, but just until my fan base kind of starts getting a little bit more curious about things outside of adult, I'm not like ready to do an AMA. Okay. And then if you don't mind me asking, how long ago did you transition out of the adult industry into going into this? So I, w- I quit like big production about like four years ago. Um, and that's like, you know, like the really big companies, like going to LA, like sets, shooting with other people. Um, so I still have like that Eva character that's like alive and doing well, but it's just more for like amateur platforms right now. Um, so it's definitely not like anything like hardcore, like real. Oh, so, she, so she still makes an appearance then from time to time. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very, very interesting. So <laughs> if people want to know more information about you, the podcast and what you have going on, where can they go? Um, they can go to chattingwithcandice.com and then that has all of my socials and my podcasts and wherever you want to go. Okay. Well, Candice, I really do appreciate you coming on to the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this brings another episode of the Jay Allen Show to an end. Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation today between myself and Candace Horvax. If you want more information on Candace and her podcast, go to chattingwithcandace.com. Thank you for always being the best part of Safety FM. And that is the listener. Thank you for always coming back to Safety FM, home of real safety talk. Don't worry, we'll be back with another episode of the Jay Allen Show before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.